Are the Chiefs really the only news story in town? As nearly every one of our reporters and local TV anchors are now in Arizona, believe it or not, we found 26 minutes of other things to talk about that don't have to do with Kelsey and Mahomes, from don't say gay laws in Missouri to banning drag shows in Kansas. Crime hasn't gone away as our city fixates on football, neither has the growing push to open a brand new baseball stadium downtown. From politics to your pocketbook, your local week reviewed next. Week in Review is made possible through the generous support of AARP Kansas City, RSM, Dave and Jamie Cummings, Bob and Marlise Gorley, the Courtney S. Turner Charitable Trust, John H. Mize and Bank of America N.A. co-trustees, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Hello and welcome, I'm Nick Haynes and I'm thrilled to bits to have actually found four guests this week who are not part of the mass exodus of Kansas City media now in Arizona, giving up their Super Bowl tickets so they can be with us is Pete Mundo of KCMO Talk Radio, Brian Ellison from KCUR News, from our own digital newsroom, Flatland, Mary Sanchez, and Eric Wesson, managing editor of The Call newspaper. You mean to tell me there wasn't even money for a Greyhound bus pass <laughs> to Arizona in the call budget, Eric? No, not even an Uber. <laughs> all righty. Well, there is a lot of things going on this week, of course. Have you noticed that 97% of all Kansas City reporters and local TV anchors have escaped Kansas City? They're all in Arizona. I'm wondering, Brian, is this a great week for our local elected leaders to double their pay and greenlight other measures they know the public won't like? now that no one is actually paying attention this week. <laughs> I think that's a great idea, although there's actually been plenty of uh, local political news to cover in uh, Missouri and Kansas and in Kansas City. I think we, we have plenty we can keep an eye on. Yes, absolutely. The fire department report coming out saying that the racism and, and diversity that's not being met in the fire department will fly under the radar because everybody's talking about the chiefs. Yeah, because nobody would have seen it. Yeah. And, and in fact, Quinton Lucas also leaving. Mike Parson, the governor of Missouri, also heading to the Super Bowl as well. So a lot of our top elected leaders uh, joining them there too. Uh, we've had more than our fair share, of course, of local news stories about how chief shirts, hoodies, hats are flying off the shelves. I think there were 974 stories about local politicians making friendly bets with their counterparts in Philadelphia. But was the biggest story a new ban of Philly cheesesteaks in Kansas City? Steaks is now a Chiefs cheesesteak. The cheesesteak. Well, you know, it's kind of like when no one liked France and you got away from French fries with the Freedom Fries. Well, we got to have the cheesesteak, you know? Alrighty, that stretch from Grinders feeding the insatiable local news appetite for anything to do with the Chiefs this week. I also noticed, Brian, that this game is having another impact, now realizing 50 million people are expected to bet on the upcoming Super Bowl. Missouri lawmakers hastily holding hearings this week uh, on sports betting. Is that finally going to cross the finish line now? I think it might. I'm not going to give the Chiefs full credit for that, but this has been something that the Missouri legislature has been kicking around now for several years. It's always been held up over a sort of a, almost a side dispute over the status of the uh, video lottery machines that are popular in certain convenience stores and bars. But the reality is that uh, Missouri lawmakers, there's a strong contingent, and it's a bipartisan contingent, Nick, that has been pushing for sports gambling. I think what will 
really push that across the finish line is the fact that Kansas is uh, is making millions on the number of bets being cast just uh, just across our border. You know, Mary, another big local impact story of the Super Bowl is that almost every local school district has now declared they will cancel school next week if there's a victory parade. Kansas City officials have announced that parade would be next Wednesday through the streets of downtown and ending at Union Station. Kansas City and Jackson County governments collectively approving more than a million dollars of taxpayer money for that celebration. Was there anyone at City Hall saying absolutely not? Think about how many potholes you could fix with that money. How many code enforcement officers would pay for all of that? I don't think they said it out loud. Um, they might have thought it. I thought it myself. But I, I was at the last parade in 2020. And I mean, it was an incredible event. There was also something that could have gone very, very wrong before the parade actually started early in the morning. There was a car that started going down um, and doing circles down Grand. And they had to chase that down and stop it basically, you know, with other police cars trapping it in. That could have been a horrific incident. So some of the costs, like 1.5 million, I think, is overtime for law enforcement. And you, you want that there. It's sad to say we need it, but you have to have Nobody it. Nobody making a fuss about that this week, Pete? No, and I'm as, uh, I'd say, fiscally responsible as anybody, but this is good camaraderie for the city. If we get to next Wednesday, we got a big parade. It's a chance for the city to come together, leave the politics out of it, and uh, it's money well spent. You know, if there is a victory parade, we have a new flag for you to wave. Did you see Kansas City has announced a new rebranding and a new flag? Just to be clear, this is not the official flag of Kansas City. It's this one. But this week, city leaders have approved a big change. No, the red and blue doesn't represent the polarization between red and blue states. The red apparently represents our warm hearts, the blue, the Missouri River. Will it be hanging on a pole outside of your mansion this week, Brian? Uh, you know, I, I, I don't dislike it if you're asking my personal opinion. I, I think the old one looked a little bit tired. Uh, I think simplicity is good. Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fun with flags viewer myself, and I think this is an excellent choice. You are our design expert on this program, Eric. Will, will you be flying that flag? No. And I could think of a laundry list of things they could have taken and put more energy in than a new flag. I think they've changed the logo, what, twice? The hat logo they've changed for the city and a couple of other things. You know, it's good, it looks good, sounds good, but what else could we be doing? Well, we do have plenty of other things happening in the news this week. We're now wrapping up the first week of legal weed in Missouri, getting just as much attention as shots of Mahomes and Kelsey. We're pictures of long lines of Kansas Cityans trying to get their marijuana fix. Are these the biggest lines, Mary, we've seen in Kansas City since the first Whataburger store opened? I, I think those lines were much, much longer. Yeah. Um, and even Chick-fil-A, I think, probably gets a longer line. But there was, you know, I mean, it does say something about just what people want in the marketplace. And it, there definitely were lines, and not only that, people were lining up to buy as much as they could legally possibly buy in one setting. So yeah, there's your proof. You know, we in the media, of course, love to talk about problems, but it seemed to all work out smoothly. I didn't see any horror stories this week, Eric. No, uh, it seemed like it was smooth, but I had driven by a couple of those places. And just for one, reporting just, purposes. No, because I was going to the okay. restaurant next right. door okay. to the okay. place. And there, the parking lot was jam-packed. The drive-through line was outside and around on the other side of Bannister. It was a lot of people. I've never seen that many people. And the guy that works in there said it's been like that since they, they 
started selling it for the first day. And that was the soft open, Nick. They, they didn't yeah. daily announce ahead of time that they yeah. were going to, to grant those licenses on Friday. People thought it was going to happen Monday. So, so it actually is amazing how many did show up over the weekend. And with Kansas uh, still not budging on the marijuana issue at all, uh, Pete, um, were there cops lined up on the state line <laughs> ready to get unsuspecting Kansas customers and getting them uh, and booking them as soon as they crossed the state line this week? I didn't see any, Nick. I didn't hear any of those reports. But I want to see the lines at the Whataburger next to the pot shop. That's what I'm interested in seeing the line of. All righty. Well, President Biden delivering his State of the Union address was one of the biggest events on Capitol Hill this week. Closer to home, there were some pretty big things going down in our own state capitals. Missouri carried out its third execution in just over two months. Leonard Taylor was put to death by lethal injection after being convicted of killing his girlfriend and her three children in 2004. Missouri, one of only four states to have scheduled executions this year. And remember all the fuss over Florida's so-called don't say gay law. Now Missouri lawmakers are holding hearings on an even more more expansive measure that would ban teachers at every grade level from mentioning sexual orientation or gender identity in the classroom. Yeah, is uh, not telling the truth here. Uh, they're purporting this as a don't say gay bill, which that's not what this is about. This is protecting vulnerable children. It actually bans almost any school personnel from even acknowledging sexual orientation and gender identity and would amount to an erasure of an entire group of people from any sort of classroom or school discussion. Meanwhile, in Kansas, debate continued this week on a bill sponsored by former Kansas City weatherman turned state senator Mike Thompson that would make it a criminal offense for a drag artist to perform in front of a child. We all know by now that just because a bill is proposed doesn't mean it's going anywhere. Any evidence, uh, Brian, either of these measures would become passed into law this year? There is a lot of momentum around it. Uh, as you mentioned, there's not just these two measures, but a dozen more. Uh, the reality, though, the, the particular bill that was heard this week in the Senate Education Committee, uh, Senator Mike Moon's uh, Don't Say Gay Bill, as it's been called, it, did, it got a hearing, but it didn't get a vote. It clearly is going to face a lot of opposition from the Democrats in the Senate. They don't have the votes to kill it, Nick, but uh, they, they might be able to put up enough of a fuss that the Republican leadership doesn't decide that this is where they want to draw the line. Uh, I don't know that I think that bill has a, a super strong chance of passing this year. What, why is it such a priority with all of the other issues happening, in, whether it be in Topeka or in Jefferson City, Pete? Well, it certainly has become a cultural flashpoint. I mean, you look in Missouri, you had the uh, kids in Columbia ending up at the drag show. There was no mention of the parents. They were going to end up at this event that had a drag show is probably the fair way to put it. Um, but either way, it's one of these things where I think parents, um, many in Missouri and Kansas, have gotten to the point where they want to know that their kids are going to school and they're learning math and science and reading, and that's it. And all this other stuff that has kind of become part of the ideology in some circles of education, they don't want in the classroom anymore. And I think it's, a, frankly, more bipartisan than we talk about in the media. Mary. I have a teaching degree for secondary. I was never taught that, oh, gee, let's have drag queens. That's the way we teach math, science, you know, or technology. I mean, it's just not really part of it. It's, it's a drummed up conversation that people get points off of when they're on the would you, legislative Would you agree, floor. though, that that has been a successful strategy for Republicans? I think it has, and that we're talking about it right now. It would be nice if we could have actually the conversations about what gender dysphoria really is. Um, just, you know, there's so many questions that people have about that. And if you look at drag, I mean, you could look at it even historically. Shakespeare, 
You know, I mean, is are people gonna start looking at Harry Styles because he wears a boa? I mean, I think a boa is a fine thing to wear some days, but you know, it's, the thing is, it's just it's just become kind of a crazy conversation that could be about some real issues that people are that they do tend to misunderstand. Eric, but it's like, okay, what do we want our kids to learn in school? We go from critical race theory to drag queens to what is the what do we really want our kids to learn? And is that a government decision? I think as a parent, it's my decision to decide what I want my kids taught and what I want them to learn. And is that why we're also seeing parents vote with their feet? We are seeing declining enrollment in Kansas overall. I mean, I agree. If the outcome is parents decide what their kids learn, then true school choice happens, and Missouri and Kansas follow, let's say, Iowa, Arizona, and the tax dollars follow their children around the state to whatever kind of education they want, and that's also been proposed in both state houses. So maybe these things all work together and we can all agree on that. Well, on the other side of the fear, coin, though. then you elect people for your school boards that have those same values and opinions, and it doesn't have to go to an extreme point. But to come back to the content of the actual bill that was being discussed in the Missouri Senate, it addresses, it says that teachers may not discuss at any level, K through 12, anything related to sexual orientation or gender identity. Uh, as Senator Lauren Arthur pointed out during the hearing, it means that she couldn't talk about her husband uh, during the meeting because it would reveal that her sexual orientation is that she is straight. Uh, there is a lot of uh, unclarity about these these bills, and, and that's not just true of that one bill, that suggests that uh, the, the the larger agenda behind them, the larger collection of bills, the purpose they serve in reaching a particular political base might be the, the, the most important outcome to those who are introducing them. Now also worth watching this week is a proposal in Missouri now on the fast track. It would make it tougher for voters to pass constitutional amendments in future. They would need 60% of the vote to pass up from a simple majority required now. We're attacking that fundamental power that lies in the hands of the people. I believe that the Missouri Constitution is a living document, but not a never expanding document. Critics claim if you had to get 60% of the vote, legalization of marijuana would have failed in Missouri, so would medical expansion. So why is it considered necessary to make the change at all, Pete? Well, there's two ways to do it, right? If you wanna kind of stop this stuff from happening, you can either raise the threshold to get them to pass or make it more difficult to get something on the ballot. Uh, they've chose the former. For whatever reason, I don't know, but obviously some of these things the last couple of years that we've seen come in most recently with the marijuana hasn't uh, pleased some Republicans. They say, hey, we have a supermajority in, in both houses, and um, those are things they would not have passed. So it's, it's politics, and we'll see how it plays out. I don't think there's a lot of mystery about, about why they chose to set the higher threshold. Uh, there are other issues that uh, the Republicans who control the majority in both the House and the Senate uh, would like to, to make sure don't happen at the hands of voters, even if they're popular with voters, including abortion rights in Missouri. I think that's likely to be the, the area where this would have the greatest impact. If you do raise the threshold on what it takes for a citizen petition initiative to pass, uh, abortion rights, which might have a majority of support in the state of Missouri, uh, might not be able to reach that 60% margin. If this does pass the legislature, it's already passed the Missouri House, it's now being debated in the Senate, uh, would it require, uh, it goes to voters, right? And uh, would it require 60% of the vote voters or could they pass it by a simple majority? It would not, a simple majority is what's required. Uh, a good point and also important is what the language on the ballot for this measure would be. One of the provisions of this law that passed the House is that it would only allow U.S. citizens to vote in Missouri elections. Well, of course, Nick, that's already the case. Uh, only U.S. citizens can vote now. But that means that the ballot measure question on the ballot will read something like, should only U.S. citizens be 
be allowed to vote. People may not even understand what they're actually voting on. While most of us are distracted by the Super Bowl, there's been no escape from violence in Kansas City. We're now outpacing last year, which saw the second highest number of homicides in history. Among the dead, a woman shot and killed in the parking lot of World Market in Westport. The mayor announcing a new plan to invest $30 million in violence prevention programs. He made the announcement during an oddly staged State of the City address this week at the new airport terminal. 2014, Kansas City had only 79 homicides. Now, we regularly double that number. We have to and we must do better. I ran for this office four years ago saying we were a city that could walk and chew gum. We could build a new outstanding airport, the one you see behind me, erect new buildings downtown. But we could also invest historic sums in affordable and accessible housing, paying our city workers more, and fixing our decaying infrastructure. I am proud to say we, you, Kansas City, have delivered, and more progress is ahead. Okay, I want to get into the violence part, but I want to ask you, Pete, first of all, was I the only one who seemed that was kind of an odd staging when we expect some big grand pomp and circumstance when we have State of the Union, State of the States, State of the Cities, and he's doing it with one camera at the airport? I don't know. Something tells me we're going to walk into this brand new airport terminal. There's going to be pictures of Mayor Lucas all over it. I don't know. It seems like he's taking a lot of credit for it. But, uh, yeah, it was kind of awkward. It was kind of odd. Uh, but, you know, we talked about things that are getting overlooked this week. Let's be honest. Even the mayor said on my show his own mother didn't watch this state of the city so uh i don't think this maybe got the attention it should have and he's even admitting as much we should point out that the state of the city is not quite the same as the, Uni the United States State of the Union address ever. It's often in a different location around the city. It's held in different neighborhoods. It rotates around. Uh, it does not have the pomp and circumstance. It's often a, a speech given on a stage at a lectern. I've never seen one without an audience before like this. But uh, but but even so, I think the airport is, uh, as, as Pete points out, something the mayor wants to really associate with the work that he and the city council have done. And people are so... Yeah. He was just on the city council when it happened. Sly's the one that Sly James, Sly James was. The Let, one let's talk about that. the crime aspect of this, then, Eric. And we, we just had the death in Westport. We now got we're on pace again to the same numbers as last year. Thirty million for prevention programs. Where does that money go, and how is that paid for? Okay, first of all, it's not his plan. Uh, if it was his plan, it would have been in the original budget. Rainer Parkshaw had nine votes. He went along with it to make it his plan. It wasn't his idea to begin with. He didn't want to put that much money into it. So that's problem number one that I, I have with it. Problem number two is when are we going to have a real serious uh, grassroots conversation about crime in our community? Uh, all these philosophies and theories and intellectualizing things that are going on in our community is a waste of time. Catherine but but, but giving, giving $30 million can't be a waste of time. That's real money at a, and looking and targeting a specific problem, isn't it? $30 million over six years. The next city council can come in and say, we don't want to do it, we don't want to fund it, and it's gone out the window. I but, saw that you tweeted this week, Pete, uh, Brad Lemon, the head of the police union, saying even with all of these efforts, there are fewer police officers uh, on the streets, though, as a result of this. There are, what, few hundred down, I think 300 off uh, from, you know, where they were even 50 years ago. They're down on numbers technically. So they've got problems there, too. I think that's all part of the conversation. Now, the police budget is going to increase based on Mayor Lucas's proposed budget from 269 to 281, I think he said. So I don't think the police department really has a lot of quibbles, nor should they right now. They just got to figure out how to hire people. And the defund movement was more than just actually taking money out of the department. You spend two and a half years where uh, 
becoming a police officer is not an attractive job for a lot of people, especially in high crime areas. And that's a defund that's happened through the media, uh, through social media over the last two and a half, three years or so. There was never defund. It was an accountability bill that, that was trying to be done. But this goes back to the original point. You can't keep throwing money at a problem. You're getting more police, you're giving the police budget more money. You still got a high crime rate. You're given what's the tips hotline. They raised that up to $25,000. It's not solving any more problems. Well, you can't I, keep I, throwing yes, money I, I'm at I'm speaking a problem. of problems. I did see this week that as the mayor continues to ask for local control, local control, that the Missouri legislature is now looking to take over the St. Louis Police Department as well. That is, they are. And uh, that would take away that argument that Kansas City is being treated uh, uniquely and across the whole United States by having a state-controlled police board. The legislature also is considering legislation to allow the governor to take over prosecutions in uh, cities like St. Louis and possibly like Kansas City where uh, the homicide rates are are unusually high and where they don't think enough prosecutions are happening. Now while we were hosting the four former mayors of Kansas City on our show last week John Sherman and his management team were hosting the second and third stops of their downtown ballpark listening tour. No matter where we play we foresee a ballpark district vibrant not only during the 81 home games a year, hopefully a few more in October, but a hub that remains active during the team's road trips uh, as well as in the off season, enhancing our community 365 days a year. Now, right now, there are no plans to add any more listening stops to the calendar, but what did we learn, if anything, from the two year hearings that were held, Pete? I feel like I'm reading a book where it's already written, but they're telling you like they're going through it chapter by chapter and writing it with you. They're not writing it with us. You went from 14 locations to five and six weeks with Christmas and New Year's in the middle. That's a joke. They got a couple they're looking at and they're stringing the public along acting like they're part of the process. Is it a foregone conclusion at this point? That what? A downtown ballpark. Well, they want it. Someone's going to have to vote on it. They got to, you know, the people have got to have a say in it. If they want to extend the three cent sales tax, which, by the way, no one's talked to the chiefs about this. I mean, they, they well, have they've got some other things have. on their minds right now. Saying, he well, does kind of lean towards the idea of this offers the chiefs more options, basically meaning that, well, if we vacate that space out at Arrowhead, that the chiefs can then rebuild, grow that entertainment, because people want more of an entertainment district now, that that might be what would occur. I think really the purpose of it, to Pete's point, was to test the market and to see how people felt. What I thought was interesting though, that one of the biggest pieces of new information this week didn't even actually come from any yeah. of those listening hearings. It came over the weekend at a new version of the Royals Fan Fest at the at Kauffman Stadium where John Sherman acknowledges the earliest we'll have a stadium is going to be in 2027. So we actually have a timetable for this. But do you see it as a foregone conclusion at this point in time, Eric? It is uh, on what they want to do and how they want to do it. They need another stadium. Okay, I'll give them that. But how they rolled it out might not have been the way that I would have advised them. But again, we get back to the point where you're comparing the Chiefs to the Royals. The Chiefs are winning. So that would be an easy sell for them. The Royals, eh, not too much of a good sell. <laughs> a lot of us are feeling the economic squeeze right now, and it's not just that we have to take out a second mortgage in our homes to buy a carton of eggs. This week, the Leewood-based AMC movie theater chain announces it's going the way of the airlines and will now start charging you more for better seats. The cheaper seats will be the ones that leave you with a sore neck in the front row, but prepare to pay more if you want those center middle seats. Kansas City is going to be the first market in the country to roll out this new seating plan. You pay more for better seats at sports games and on your flight to Chicago, 
Mary, is there any reason your movie theater should be any different? I don't know that they're going to be able to justify people wanting to pay a higher price point to be in that same space. We'll see. I'm not an economist. They must have run oh, the numbers. Not? They must have done some focus groups. They must have figured out that that no, that, that there was a chance for it to make. It's it's clearly a business decision, but I will say it seems like a risky one to me. Uh, at a time when more and more people would rather be watching on streaming services where they can sit at home and get access to the movies, sometimes the very same weekend they're released in the theater, it seems risky to me to, to make it a, a, an even more expensive experience for a family that might spend more than a hundred bucks to have some popcorn and see a movie. Full disclosure, I have AMC stock. Uh, and so many disclosures. <laughs> oh, this is a lot of disclosures. And full disclosure, <laughs> full Pete Mundo has actually gone to a movie no. once in his life. Full disclosure, I haven't been to a movie theater right. in four years, okay. so I don't right. care. Exactly. I got two little kids. And <laughs> streaming is, the release for streaming is the same day that it comes out at the movie. Like he said, you can sit at home, you're comfortable, you don't have to buy a $50 bag of popcorn and a hot dog, you can sit at home and do it. I don't think it's a good idea, but what do I now, but while you will pay more perhaps for your favorite movie seat, you could soon be getting a cash saving on your parking. Did you see that the Missouri legislature is now debating a bill that would ban on-street parking meters? Kansas City area Republican Joshua Hurlbut is the sponsor of the measure. He argues charging drivers to park on public roads amounts to double taxation. And besides, according to the Smithville lawmaker, it costs Kansas City more to enforce its meters than it collects. What would happen in Kansas City if this were to become law, Brian? I don't, I, I don't understand this pr propensity in the legislature for uh, legislators from other parts of the state to want to tell particular cities or towns how they should do things that have traditionally been regarded as municipal issues. It's not even just a Republican-Democrat thing. It's a, it's a question of uh, local control versus state control that no longer seems to know partisan boundaries. Uh, it seems to be a matter of keeping the cities in line, and in this case, it even applies to parking. Well, I was surprised that, though, Pete, that he did say that it actually costs them more to enforce the law than they actually bring in in revenue in Kansas City. Yeah, so I guess a few people that do parking meters would lose their jobs potentially. I mean, you know, less people on the public dole is not necessarily a bad thing. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. Seems like a win-win. We're all parking for free. It's a regressive tax anyway. Think about it like that. It hurts the poor person more than the wealthy person who's got to pay a dollar an hour to park on the street. I pay taxes, you're supposed to fix the street. Why am I paying an additional tax to park on a street that I'm already paying for you to fix but and maintain and keep up? But you can vote on your city council members who could make that decision, right? I mean, isn't that, isn't that something that should be decided at the city level? It should be. It should be. I agree with that's that. why we have Missouri lawmakers and that's so important thank you and on that we will say our week has been reviewed with gratitude that they didn't use their air miles to fly to Arizona this week Eric Wesson of the call and Brian Ellison from KC1 news from the Kansas City PBS digital newsroom flatland Mary Sanchez and six to ten weekdays on KCMO talk radio Pete Mundo and I'm Nick Haynes from all of us here at Kansas City PBS be well keep calm and carry on <laughs>